In this week's episode, we talk the new renaissance of Aftershock Comics, the connection between Gwen Stacy and Nancy Drew, and the misuse of the Black Label titles. It's all happening now on Cover B. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Valentine's After Day. It true. Valen- I hope After Valentine's Day. I hope you had a wonderful day filled with love mm-hmm. and flowers and candy and honestly valentine's is, um, is kind of a made-up holiday yeah it kind of is but so you know how like the day after some people consider it new year's day some people consider it the day after uh saint patty's day but they call it like national hangover day yeah so is today like national wake up next to somebody day maybe <laughs> Hopefully it's wake up next to somebody you actually can identify Man, day. You don't you don't know how people spend their Valentine's. That's true. Hi I, Trinity. Our cat is climbing all over everything while we're trying to talk. Yeah. Hello. Sometimes she can be a real brat. Yep. But she's really cute. We post about her on Instagram. You should follow us. It's true. Um, okay, so let's chit chat about everyone's real true love comic books. Oh comics. Thine pages make me smile. How I love thee. Let me count the ways. <laughs> a one, a two. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. We're going full Tootsie Pop? <laughs> yeah, it's not, a, not every day I get to make a Tootsie Pop reference. <laughs> it's one of those rare gems of references. You gotta just. You gotta pluck it from the it. tree yeah. and savor it. All right, cool. Well, I'm gonna start with Alienated number one. Um, this is a book by Simon Spurrier and Chris Wild Goose, which props <laughs> to you. Goose. That is the best last name ever. Yonk. And we've got some really great last names on this list today. We do. Have some um, but so Alienated number one, it follows three kids, um, high school aged kids, all with similar names, which is kind of neat. Um, Heading to school, they accidentally encounter one another in the woods, and mm. then some freaky deaky business goes on in the woods, and hmm. suddenly they're in each other's brains. And I really enjoyed this. It's in sort of the same vein as, like, the Stranger Things stuff, and there's been a lot of stuff that's come out recently that's kind of had that feel that, like, weird alien confusion, odd, freaky otherworldly type stuff happening to young kids who then bond mm-hmm. and i'm here for that like paper girls-esque and um morning in america-esque and there's been a lot of books about yeah, it lately. i'm reading um ignited from humanoids is very similar to that yeah and like plutona back from Image yeah is very, there's been very there's been that. several that have been quite good and enjoyable and weird and stuff um so this one is another one i really like this one um it does a really cool job of creating three very distinct voices and personalities they do that thing where they highlight everybody's individual like thoughts in a different color to try and help you identify who's who but really by the time they're all talking to each other you can tell exactly who's who just by the like 
dialogue and and what they're saying and how they're saying it you don't even really need the colors which to me is the indication of a very good author who's very good at dialogue which is not always the case when it comes to comic books um you would think that comic book authors would just inherently be really good at dialogue because it's comic books but that is really not the case and something that i i become more and more aware of as i read more and more comics yeah um but i feel like Spurrier really understands how to write dialogue really understands how to individualize and define characters um and the end of this book has a surprise that made me just like and then it was like whoa and then you have mixed feelings about it but it's really interesting Mm -hmm. and i am here for it and you should read this book. I feel like <laughs> I really like somewhere it. out there is the potential for like a deep, like psychological study into like writers and how their approach to dialogue varies based off of their like personality type. Oh, because I feel yeah. like you build dialogue based off of how you approach conversation, right? And so that's why like dialogue will always only feel like partially acceptable to everybody you know Mm. what i mean because Mm -hmm. there will be certain interactions that you'll be like that's not how i would do that you know what i mean like that doesn't feel natural because you basically take because every interaction is different between every person because everybody has like different personality types and so you're hammering those personality types at each other right and trying to like communicate thoughts between two people that view the world considerably differently like some people will view the world similar to you some people won't and you have to build your ideas and get your points across with all these different like perspectives but when you're writing dialogue you're going to approach conversations the way you specifically would approach them and you kind of put yourself even if the character is a character that like i'm totally not i don't relate to this person i don't identify you still put your idea of how conversation is managed like how you construct like your Lego instruction booklet for conversations right. is what you build every dialogue piece off of. Right. And I feel like different people who have different ideas of, you know, the very point of conversation, how conversation's supposed to flow, different speech patterns, different like you've got introverts versus extroverts would probably view dialogue differently. Um, That's you know. really interesting. And like you can even – I have like a an immediate microcosm example is how you and I both approach Bendis's dialogue. I feel like you really dislike the way he writes dialogue because he's very um short and kind of disjunct and like people interrupt each other and there's yep. like not always a coherent stream of thought, but I really relate to that because I'm not a coherent stream of thought and I jump around in conversation a lot. So I feel like we both see it very differently. That's the thing is I understand that I actually do talk a lot like a business character. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm able to recognize that. Like I, I'll randomly have a train of thought and go off down that road in the middle of another thought that I was having. And like, I'll interrupt people and I'll just like throw jokes in randomly and stuff like that. Um, but I do like when I'm having a conversation with somebody try to be like, like that's, that's how I talk when I'm rambling or like doing this or like, you know, if somebody 
me and another person are having like a very intense conversation, like a discussion. Right. Like when I'm discussing, I'll talk that way. But when I'm like conversing or just talking, I'm actually kind of quiet in real life because I don't really like I'm not an introvert. I'm not afraid to talk to people. I'm not shy. You're a listener, though. I'm a listener. And I like to talk. I like to say things when I feel like I have something to say. Like I'm not just the type of person that will randomly be like. Oh, so I stubbed my toe yesterday just to fill the silence. Yeah, you're you know very I mean? you you speak with intent. Well, yeah, and I and I spend a lot of time thinking. So like at work and stuff, I have a lot of like a lot of the people I work with are the type of people that when there's silence, they just got to fill it. So they'll be like, "Oh, I did this yesterday. Oh, I did that yesterday. Oh, I did this today." You know, and just like tell stories about just kind of normal stuff. Right. It's fine. Yeah, you know, and it's I'll not react and I'll listen and I'll talk to them and you know, if I have a point, like a counterpoint, I'll say it. But if, you know, there's another guy I work with that is the same, like, is just willing to kind of just, like, sit and not talk, like, not fill the space, you know? Yeah. And when we're working together, it's just, like, quiet, you know? Because we just don't have anything to say. I just... Which is fine. If I'm going to start a conversation, it's going to be, like... With a purpose. I feel like it's a fun conversation. Anyway, so, you know, that's kind of, I guess, why... Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't have that kind of... I do that when I'm discussing, like I said, like the very like disjunct kind of right. like train of thought and stuff. But in conversation, I see conversation as a little bit more like laid out and like structured and like necessary. You know what I mean? Which I'm kind of the opposite because when I'm discussing, I tend to be more of a listener because I'm trying to come up with the most appropriate like counterpoint or supplement mm-hmm. to whatever the conversation is. Meanwhile, in like gen like general casual conversation anytime something comes into my brain and i think this is because i was an only child anytime something comes into my brain i have to like spit it out immediately because i don't want it to be forgotten or i don't want it to not fit the conversation later and so i have to be able to like say everything and i'm very animated yeah so like i want to talk about everything and all of the things especially when i'm with people that i care about yeah so i just like throw stuff into the ether just so that people (laughs) will talk and that's a very bendous way of having standard conversation is you'll just have like Damien just being like, why do you smell like burgers today? And you're like, first of all, Bendis, that has nothing to do with anything. But second of all, that's totally a thing that a young man like Damon would say. <laughs> you're like, it's true. That makes sense. I get it. I, f- I feel that I'm here for it. But yeah, I think, um, you know, so going off your conversation about like, you'd think most comic writers would get, um, get dialogue because dialogue is such a heavy part of but it's just they probably do get dialogue to them their own dialogue that view conversations or view like social interactions or view the world similar to the way they do but it might just kind of disconnect with other people so i think that that's interesting like it would be interesting to go through and be like here's this writer here's a psychological profile (laughs) of this writer here's how they tend to write dialogue and you know like catalog all that shit i feel like that would be really cool yeah i'd love to get like a demaic or like a myers-briggs personality yeah. test for all of these yeah, authors yeah. and then compare their like writing and, and dialogue writing style. styles and see if like, like similar like personality types write similar dialogue and yada yada all right universities know. call me yeah we will do this study yeah we'll make no money you can give me a ton of grants it'll be great yeah <laughs> so alienated go get it it's good yeah Sounds like a cool book. It was good. I enjoyed it. It's right along that and that's same from thread. Boom? I think so. I think it's boom. I think it's boom. I think it's boom. A boom shakalaka. A boom. 
Uh, coming out from Aftershock this week is Undone by Blood, number one. Um, Aftershock is, I think, trying to have another resurgence. So Aftershock came on the scene a few years ago. And when they came on the scene, they had a bunch of really cool stuff. Like, I remember getting into their books and they had, like, um, oh, what, Insects, which was, like, the marguerite bennett i think it was marguerite bennett. it was like, it was bennett marguerite bennett like horror erotica book and everything you just they said had, makes um, me uncomfortable yeah right they had <laughs> super zero which is still one of my favorite books i love that book it was by amanda connor um and it was about this little like not little girl this like teenage girl that was trying to get superpowers so she would like roll around in like radioactive ants and shit <laughs> and then just get a bunch of bites and be like damn and that one ended with a huge cliffhanger, so I really wish they would go back to that. They had, like, Jimmy's Bastards. They had uh, – Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. They had um, – oh, Animosity came oh, out and okay. hit the scene and just, like, erupted. Man, that was all around the same fire. time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and um, then they had a bunch of, like, horror books that, like, they've got Baby Teeth is still ongoing from back in those days, and um, they did, like – unholy grail and they started a pestilence and they did a volume two of pestilence not too long ago after their like first wave of books garnered like a lot of heat and a lot of like critical acclaim they kind of they had some releases that just weren't really hitting like some were just kind of like coming out and fizzling and some just weren't really like taken off and i've picked up and talked about a few of them and they've been good like they've had some good stuff like i really like uh you are obsolete oh by yeah them and that one's really cool um i think that's that is by them uh but right now i feel like they are trying to have another resurgence so a second renaissance yeah a couple <laughs> weeks ago they came out with man who effed up time that was so man good. who f hashtag ampersand. ampersand dollar sign ked time um <laughs> ked up time uh, and it came out and it was on this like beautiful cardstock cover. They tweaked their like incentive variant program so that it was easier for retailers to get incentive variants. Smart. You Smart. basically like, instead of doing like a one in 25, they did like, if you order 15, you can order up to three of our incentive variants and one of them is free. So oh. you pay for two of them, you get one free. Um, it was an interesting way of doing it. Interesting. Um, and... It was a good book. It was a cool read, and it's just a nice book. It, the art was cool, um, and so I'm excited to see. Like I've been excited to see because they've got like three books. So it was Man Who Effed Up Time, then this one Undone by Blood, and then they've right. got another one coming up, God Killers. I was really stoked for this one because this one sounds like something I would love. It's set in the 70s okay. in like the west so it's in like arizona okay in, like, bumpkin town arizona in the 70s so we've got no cell phones we've got no like current technology and stuff but it's cool. still modern right you know what i mean so you got like modern pop culture references happening and stuff um and it's this this again like teenage girl who is out for revenge Ooh. And she's, like, a hard-ass, and she's, like, shaved head and wearing, like, a Lou Reed shirt and hmm. has, like, a gun tucked in her pants. Oh, and my. she's, like, a badass. And she uh, is a fan of this, like, 
true grit style like western novel okay so it's like an older cowboy who's like it kind of feels like john marston in red dead got it redemption the first one right he's like already but older he feels older but he's like already settled down and has like a wife and kid and a farm and stuff and then like stuff happens and he's got to go take care of it so she's got this like novel on her and tones of the novel translate into tones of what she's doing and so it's like simultaneously kind of a neo-noir taxi driver-esque story right juxtaposed against like a true grit-esque western novel huh um and it did not disappoint the first issue is fantastic the art is really cool and really gritty um but doesn't feel like too like you know like the anatomy of the characters doesn't feel too weird you know what i mean or anything like that it's like sometimes when indie comics try to be gritty they get like really kind of like super jaily where like people's limbs and jaws move in weird ways yeah um this doesn't do that it's still like but it's not photo real at the same time um which that's the middle ground i like when it's like slightly cartoonish but not photo realistic like that's that middle ground yeah like yeah um i feel that her character is really compelling there's some sort of murder mystery going on she's possibly some sort of survivor um, she's trying to hunt down somebody. She says she's hunting down the man who killed her family and stuff oh. like that. Um, there's action. There's drama. Like, and she's just a total hard ass the whole time. Um, and then you also have this cowboy story, which is just the very like tragic, woeful cowboy stories are my favorite. Like the ones that aren't just like tombstone where it's a lot of like like i love tombstone don't get me wrong but where it's just a lot of like pew, 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 you know what i mean yeah. like a lot of like really and even tombstone towards the end obviously has that element of like cowboys are doomed kind of thing right like i like the cowboy stories that are like this isn't gonna go anywhere you know what i mean like you know this isn't a sustainable way of life like so red dead 2 so red dead 2 <laughs> well red dead 2 Arthur is Morgan. red dead 2 is especially painful because he's such a redemptive character he's such a good person but he gets taken out just naturally he doesn't get shot to death by like john marston like marston is also very redemptive but like you kind of knew going in that something was going to happen he got tied in with these guys he should have been focusing on like how to get rid of them or just get out of everywhere get out of town like Go Take to his Tahiti. family and go. Or, uh, oh, God. But, like, Anywhere but <laughs> But, like, Arthur Morgan is especially sad because, like, he spends a lot of his story arc, like, trying to figure out how to get redemption. And, like, my favorite parts of that game are when you interact with the nun. Yeah. And, like, the monk. It's, yeah. like, the nun and the monk. And, like, those interactions for me are so, like, perfect because the acting is just amazing and you get these, like hints that arthur is like i wish that type of redemption was was available available to me me." you know what i mean like i wish i could just go to this person and be like save me and i'd be saved you know what i mean he's like but he knows that's not he knows that's not how it works and then like his final interaction with the nun when he's got tb and he's like i'm afraid and like stuff like that like ugh, just gut punch but those are the kind of stories that are like compelling western stories like there's, I love a good western. I love a good spaghetti western. I love a good like, just gritty like, 
badass dudes going after badass dudes surrounded by badass women and like i was you know raised I mean? on john wayne like yeah the john waynes and the clint eastwoods um like it's 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 good stuff i like that stuff um but i think the most compelling ones are the sadder more tragic more woeful ones and that's what this is so you've got this beautifully told woeful cowboy story against this backdrop of like a young girl in the 70s trying to get revenge for the death of her family that's pretty dope you know yeah and it's it's just so good and again it comes out on this like beautiful cardstock cover you know what i mean yeah thick hard cover the art is great the cover looks great the variant is really effing cool if you can get your hands on the incentive variant um yeah it's just good written by lonnie nadler and zach thompson uh, it's got art by Sammy Cavella. Uh, I love that Lonnie Nadler, Nadler wrote it because his name sounds very cowboy. Lonnie Nadler. <laughs> it Lonnie does. Lonnie Nadler. It does. Yeah. yeah. Well, howdy, Checks out. Howdy, sir. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just really super good. It made me, I left that book wanting to play Red Dead. Red Dead Redemption 2 again. <laughs> like, I was like, I need to get back to Arthur Morgan. Um, I love Arthur. But yeah, I, I can't recommend this one enough. I'm super stoked. Nice. I'm super stoked. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. This one's going to be cool. Well, next on my list is kind of a surprise for me. Um, so this week, Marvel came out with Gwen Stacy number one. Um, typically, in my opinion, Gwen Stacy is built as like either it's Spider-Gwen or it's like older, more mature, call late college doctoral program has her ish together is kind of a third wheel um dynamic of the spider ladies. So like you've got Black Cat who like leads with her prowess and sexuality and street smarts, and then you have Mary Jane who leads with her heart and you know, her capabilities and her, her wiliness. And then you have, you know, Gwen who leads with her maturity and her intellect. So it's like the three prongs of the spider lady capabilities, right? That is not what this book is. This book has absolutely nothing to do with Peter Parker. He's not even involved. This has to do with her and Harry hanging out at the same high school way back in the day. Peter's not even at the same high school. Nice. Because him and Flash are at the, like, poor kid's school (laughs) down the road. And instead, I'm going to tell you, I never put this together. And it blew my mind. And once I was reading this, I was like, holy crap. You know what this book is, y'all? It's a Nancy Drew book. (laughs) Because if you look at it, (laughs) Gwen Stacy is Nancy Drew. Oh, my God. It works so well. She's blonde. She's smart. She's spunky. Her dad's the cop. Like, the chief. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which perfectly lines up with smart, spunky Nancy Drew getting into everything with daddy being the, like, DA or whatever. Like, it... It is she. It they made her Nancy Drew. I never made that connection That's ever before. It never occurred fantastic. to me. But it is so perfect. And this book feels kind of like the Kelly Thompson 
Nancy Drew run. Like, it has that same type of tone. It has that same type of voice. She's, like, helping her dad solve crimes. She's, like, they're fighting mobsters. It, it's so fun. Like, it's not going to be anything life-changing. It's not anything that's going to break the mold. I mean, it's a Nancy Drew book. But it's so cute. She's, like, running for class president. And she, it, I don't know. It's just, it's so cute. There's no, like, chemistry between her and Harry. They're just, like, BFFs. And she's, like, dating this, like, popular dude. And they, like, work. And he's very respectful. And I don't know. It's just, it's so cute. It's just really cute. Yeah. And it's going to get into trouble. And her dad's being framed. And things are horrible but hmm. great. And she's like, I'm going to solve the mystery. And I'm going to put people down. And yeah. I'm like, yes, you are. Because you're Gwen Stacy. And you can do whatever you want. There's, And that's the that's really cool to hear. Because I feel like, you know, Gwen Stacy has potential to be redefined as a character. And I, I like that they're going back and kind of looking at, like, before Peter met her. Yeah. Um, and kind of telling stories in that time frame. Because there's a lot of really compelling storytelling that happens around Gwen Stacy. Right. Like, I really like um, Spider-Gwen's most recent, like, series leading into her ghost spider. Right. Like, adopting that right. name. Was effectively just talking about how she's constantly tied to death. How, mm. like, she's been to all these different multiverses and Gwen Stacy's, like, always dead. And, like, she was one of the last people to, one of the last spiders to have the ability to hop around multiverses. Mm. So she was responsible going to the families of the spiders that died to the, like, vampires Aww. and telling them, like, hey, this spider died. Aww. So she had, like, all this, like, connection to death. And that's why she, like, adopted this ghost spider name. That's cool. Um, Then I think of, like, in the Ultimate Spider-Man, like, Gwen Stacy gets – and sorry if you haven't read Ultimate Spider-Man. This is going to be spoilery, so just heads up. Um, Gwen Stacy gets devoured by Carnage. Because um, Carnage in this world is some sort of, like, less sentient thing that, like, devours people's energies. So it oh sucks God. them into a husk. Ugh. Anyway, like, apparently after it did that, it, after it, like, devoured her essence, it started believing it was Gwen Stacy. Whoa. And so started, like, transformed into Gwen Stacy and was like, I'm Gwen Stacy. <laughs> what? And then eventually just came back as Gwen Stacy and, like, kept living with Aunt May and Peter and stuff like that. Um, wow. So, like, a lot of her – and it was super cool and weird and bizarre, but, like, super cool. I love the Ultimate – favorite Spider-Man, like, series ever is Ultimate Spider-Man. It's huh. great. And I always recommend it to people, like, you need to get your hands on the trays. They come in big, chunky trays with tons of issues in them. You can get all of it on Marvel Unlimited if you want. It is worth reading because it's huh. it's fantastic. It's Bendis's best work. It's Mark Bagley's best work. I don't care nice. what any effing person says to me about <laughs> anything else. It is the best Spider-Man, some of the best Marvel stuff ever put on paper. Wow. Um, it's just great, compelling, melodramatic. They take cliche spider-man things and turn them on their head like oh, i love that he's 15 in this world one of my favorite ones is he meets up with black cat she's doing her whole like black cat thing because he's 15 but he's got this like ripped ass body because of superpowers right and so she just assumes he's like a man and they're like fighting and she like 
finally convinces him like hey let's let's do it and he like whips his mask off and it's like a 15 year old and she like literally like horks and then like leaves (laughs) (laughs) she's like oh shit i'm a child molester and then like leaves (laughs) it's so funny um anyway but so that's the thing about Gwen Stacy is I feel like all her like really compelling stories are always told based around the fact that she died. Her yeah. like well like being one of the most well known, well resonated deaths in comics. Absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things to happen to one of the biggest comic book characters ever. That's what defines her. And so it's really cool to tell a story before that point. Because we've told plenty stories plenty of stories about her after that point but it's always like oh this Gwen is a clone or like oh hey we're telling a flashback story of before she died but it's about this like seedy affair she had with Norman Osborn and stuff like that you know what I mean like it's always these like it's always stuff to complicate the future as opposed to stuff defining who she was yeah. And that's really a cool idea to go back and do that. And they're super aware of it in this book, too, because in the dis- like, you know, there's always that front description in the book. And in this one, they talk about how, like, as you know, Gwen Stacy is most often defined by her relationship to Peter and the things that happened. But this goes back before then to talk about just how capable she was well before that ever happened. And they even use very interesting language like it it struck out to me mm-hmm. because i was like oh i see what you did there because they say something along the lines of like now let's get to it it'll be a snap mm-hmm. and i was like ooh ooh poignant ooh <laughs> it like hurts a little <laughs> and then the cool I'm thing i'm going to crack this case when yeah like, you're like oh ooh e- ow ow but the end of the book is really you cool, too. You kids have fun. No necking. Oh, God. Ow. That one was terrible. That hurts. But the end of the Big book oof. is really cool because they they it, they treat it kind of like you would expect a Nancy Drew book. They yeah. put, like, these, like, small little weird shorts in the back mm-hmm. that are, like, one-pagers. Like, there's the Gwen Vengers. And they, like, show, like, Gwen Stacy as all of the Avengers. Oh, they funny. do one where she's in, like, a Ripley from Alien-esque scenario. <laughs> that's funny. They did one where she's, like, Peanuts-esque, like, making the mobster guys, like, not sell lemonade anymore. Like, it's just, it's so cute. And there's, like, there's the stereotypical thing that they used to do in Marvel books, and now they do it in a very, like, tongue-in-cheek way where they have the like paper dolls and the different outfits available mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah they used to do that in a bunch of the girl books because it was like oh here you go you get like a doll to play with when you buy this comic and now it's very like on the nose like Haha, you used to need dollies to like comics and <laughs> so like it's just it's just cool they used to do that in the hellcat comic too it was very like I don't know. It's just cool. It was cool the way that they built the book and the way that it's talking about her and the character that it's building. And it's Nancy freaking Drew. It, yeah, that it's connection. It's so funny. I never put them together, but I'm sitting there and I was like, damn, she is Nancy Drew. <laughs> That's crazy. I think that makes Harry Bess. Nice. <laughs> I really want to have a McCarthyism style series of trials to persecute the people that ever thought 
putting cut out things in comics was a good idea. Granted, back in the day, we didn't know that comics would become what they've become. But it would be nice to weed those people out and, like, throw them in a hole somewhere. <laughs> I don't mean that. Uh, they they were just trying to make comics fun. It's they were fine. also just trying to sell but, comics because they were and, like, how do we sell comics to little girls and because it's a stereotypical well, boy industry. And they were trying to sell, like, shitty x-ray specs and stuff to yeah. people so that you had to, like, cut it out and, like, fill your name in. Mail, and mail it, it in. Out. But, like, good lord. The fact that somewhere out there there's, like, an AF-15 with a coupon cut out. <laughs> Literally makes my heart stop for a second. The thought of someone, like, opening up their pristine Amazing Fantasy 15 and being like, I can get that many army men for that low of a price? Mom, I'm spending my allowance. Snip, 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 snip. It's like, oh, you go, ow. Why you do this? Yeah. No. That's true. Anyway. But Gwen Stacy, number one. It was very good. It was um, done by Christos Gage and Todd Nock. And it's it's great. It's so cute. It's it's a Nancy Drew book. Go get you a Nancy Drew book. Okay. I have a bit of a grievance. Uh-oh. I don't like, and I, I preface every time I'm about to say something negative about a book as that I don't like saying negative things about books. I honestly don't want to use this podcast as a platform for me to just, like, rail into stuff. I do it plenty of times, and I only do it when I feel like it's important to do so. So sometimes I've retracted my statements on things to be like, this book kind of turned out being worse than I thought it was. Um, or just as a platform to talk about what the F Frank Miller thinks he's doing. Anyway, <laughs> um, this one I have to preface because I honestly was just kind of, like, personally disappointed. So, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey came out. Yep. Um, we saw the movie. We did a movie review on it. You yep. should check it out. We it's really amazing. liked it. amazing. I like the Birds of Prey. I've read Heck some yeah. of the old Birds of Prey stuff. I like Harley Quinn. I've been reading plenty of Harley Quinn stuff. I haven't been keeping up with the main title just because I don't feel there like there's a whole lot of substance to that. Um, it's just my own personal feelings about the main title. I've read a few issues here and there. I've read a few of the like side stuff that the Amanda Connor series has done. Um, and I've just never been, like, blown away. Right. But I've been reading the Black Label Harley Quinn stuff. So Harleen, uh, Joker Harley, that stuff, been solid, liked it. Yeah, Harleen um, was amazing. Harley Quinn in the White Knight series, been really good. So cool. Really cool character. Anyway, not so long ago, they announced that they were going to be doing a Birds of Prey series. It was going to be written by... Uh, Brian Azzarello. Oh. It's going to have art by Manuela Lupacino. Oh. And it was going to focus on the Birds of Prey core group. It was going to be Renee Montoya, uh, Huntress, and led up by Black Canary. And it was going to have Harley involved. Harley right. was coming to town. They were going to team up for some reason and, you know, go from there. And it was going to be the, a black label, all the right? birds, All the birds. It hadn't gotten defined as a black label yet. Oh, okay. DC's been doing this thing where they kind of like label things late in the game as black label so like strange adventures recently wasn't black label until it got its rating it's 17 up rating and then they were like oh black label you know (laughs) everyone knew it was going to be black label um but they don't announce things as black label until like later down the production line um and this one unfortunately didn't have a chance uh it got cut into a one shot at some point i think and then just got out and out canceled 
Oh, that's sad. Um, and it got replaced by this one, which is Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, magazine-sized black label book uh, written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, who write the regular title. run. Or had written the regular run. I think they left and Frank Thierry took over, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, that's probably wrong. If I'm wrong, correct me in the gentle ways of the internet. Um, <laughs> and with art by Amanda Connor and... Uh, colored by Paul Mounts. So exactly the same team that did the Harley Quinn run. Okay. Um, as such, what we got instead was a effectively just a normal run-of-the-mill, sorry to use that word, Harley Quinn story, where they don't censor out the F-bombs. Yeah, it felt really normal. Yeah, it, it like very. It wasn't bad, and that's my problem. Is because up until this point, the black label stuff has been kind of special, very special. Um, and I haven't liked all of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying this is the only one I don't like. Superman Year One did not get it. I still haven't read the third one because I just I have other things that are worth my time <laughs> coming right. in before that. Like, I hate to say it, it's just a weird book. I don't get Superman, sociopath Superman. I don't understand it. Um, but for the most part, like the black label stuff has all been like putting characters in interesting situations, Elseworld stuff, um, really like taking a character analysis, like breaking a character down and being like, what makes them this way? It's also been very interesting art choices. Yeah. Like, I feel like every book that's come out black label has been very specific, interesting, not standard art. Yeah. And then we have this one. Um, which, like I said, is the standard creative team for um, the Harley Quinn book. It's the standard art for the Harley Quinn book. It's a very standard Harley Quinn book story. It doesn't fit in the current timeline. Like, it no. literally doesn't. It came out the same week as Harley Quinn Poison Ivy, the last issue of that. Oh, okay. Um, which... Spoilers for that ends with the two of them effectively being like, we can't do this anymore. Um, and Poison Ivy going off to deal with whatever the hell she's dealing with. Um, <laughs> and it's like a super emotional moment. And then we have this book, which it opens with Harley revealing that she pissed Poison Ivy off, effectively. And Poison Ivy's like, I need some space. So they're having like a tiff in yeah. this one but poison ivy is not her post heroes in crisis poison Ivy. no so this takes place somewhere towards the front of like before the year of the villain stuff before the hero in crisis stuff like way away ago <clears throat> so it's some weird like so it doesn't fit in the timeline but it's also too n normal for the harley quinn books to be like an elseworlds to be like an elseworlds yeah. thing um so it's 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 just kind of a normal story like i said it it's it just felt like a normal Harley Quinn story where they were allowed to drop F-bombs and so they made sure they did and they made sure each of the birds of prey that were recently in the movie gets like a big like this per like literally characters just show up in this book and there's a whole like big panel of Harley Quinn being like oh my god it's you and then stuff moves on you know and we haven't even gotten Black Canary yet in the first issue. 
Yeah. <laughs> it feels I'm going to say this because you guys know that I say this a lot when it's when it's relevant. It just sort of felt like a big ad. Yeah. But that's in exactly like it. but like not a good ad for how good the movie is. Yeah, they and that's that's the thing is it's it's painfully money grabby and it feels that way consistently. They they shoehorn Harley into a reason to have to go back to Gotham for the sake of the birds of prey that she interacted with in the movie were in Gotham. So they like force her into some reason going back to Gotham and then boom, just here's Huntress boom. Here's just Cassandra Kane. And they make a big to do about like, Oh, it's these characters. Yay. You know what I mean? And we didn't even get black canary. I want to reiterate that because if you're going to have a birds of prey book, you should really open with one of the, biggest birds of prey um, like the one that's actually a bird yeah right um <laughs> sorry and it yeah it just felt very cash in but wasn't like compelling or good even the bad guy the the dude they're setting up to be the bad guy is a young rich eccentric crime boss because they couldn't use black mask because black mask actually exists in the comics and is his own character yeah. So they basically built a character that they can make into Ewan McGregor's Black Mask. Yeah. And have him be in this. You know what I mean? It's just weird. And yeah, it's just, it's it's strange and it wasn't very good. And uh, honestly, it shouldn't have been a black label. They should have just released this as like a six issue normal mini. And yeah. don't get me wrong. I love, I still love the magazine size. It's got a beautiful Derek Chu cover um, on the B cover. And it, it's it's if you're really into the Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Harley Quinn stories, then like this will scratch your itch. This will be perfect for you. But it just felt way too. It felt like a waste of a black label title. Yeah. So if you're the type of person that picks up every new black label title, uh, because you're like, woo, black label, I love them. They're so good. This one's a miss. This one's honestly missable. Um, your collection of black label stuff won't really be missing out on anything because it's just like it's a movie cash in that's all it is it does it like and like i said it's not a bad book like it's not a bad read i have read much worse comics but i think making it black label making it part of this like super special thing Mm -hmm. just sort of like highlighted that it wasn't great or special and yeah. so, because if this had been released as just, like, a normal comic, like, look at this six issue that we're trying to do. Like, like when Marvel puts out, like, weird six issues around new, co- like, new movies coming out yeah. that are specifically related to the movie, and you know what you're getting into, this one would have been like, oh, this is pretty good comp- yeah. for that. That would, that would yeah. be appropriate. But, like, the way it was released kind of tarnished the value of the book itself. The fact, yeah, the fact that they canceled a title that sounded really exciting and was going to be its own thing very compelling um and replace it with effectively like i said just a normal harley quinn story and like you said it wasn't bad i did not enjoy the read yeah it was funny at times the action was goofy and she killed a bunch of dudes and that was exciting they play with their outfits huntress and cassandra kane were funny they make references and like tongue-in-cheek like you know tongue-in-cheek references to the movies and stuff like that and it, yeah it, it was it was it, it was fun in its own way i think honestly i just feel kind of cheated because 
they presented it as a black label, which so far the black label stuff has been unique and interesting. But now they're just using that platform as a cash in. Yeah. And like that's what is kind of offensive because yeah. like the black label stuff started and it was supposed to be this area where they were going to like give writers and like writers and artists control. They were like break boundaries. You know, we're going to loosen up editorial, break boundaries, like really shock people. I mean, we got Bat Dong. Well, that's the thing is then we got Bat Dick and DC lost their minds. And so we ended up the, you know, black label book that was supposed to be about like a bunch of superheroes that represented various different minorities got straight canceled. Aww. We haven't heard hide or tell of the Lex Luthor book that was supposed to come out. There was supposed to be a Greg Rooka Lois Lane book that was supposed to be black label. There was supposed oh. to be a Wonder Woman book that was going to be la black label, not just the Wonder Woman Dead Earth one, like a different one. Huh. Um, like there was all this stuff that they announced as like, this is going to be black label that never happened. So then, you know, they started repurposing old things as black label. Like, the old Lex Luthor book is now black label. And, like, uh, White Knight has been reissued as black label. Oh, okay. And, Interesting. you know, then we had just series after series of Batman and Joker stuff coming out. Yeah. And that was, like, all black label has been for a while. Then we finally got, like, the Superman thing. It was weird. We got Question. We got Wonder Woman. And so, like, they're having this nice mix, and Black Label could have this potential to be this really cool imprint for DC. But if they're going to use the excitement people have about it, and the fact that it's selling well, and they know people like the magazine format, and they're just going to feed us, like, cash-in brand deal shit on this, then, like, What's the point? you know, like, I don't want a movie, like... It's fine to have a Birds of Prey thing. It's fine to want to redo it so it feels more like the Birds of Prey. But when I read the book and I literally feel like I'm reading it with the expectation that I just saw the movie. You know what I mean? Or that you're going to go see the yeah, movie. Yeah, like there's moments in this where it, it feels like the story itself is built out of the understanding that the reader has already seen the movie. And it hardly reacts to characters as if we were reacting to like a sequel revealing the characters we remember from the original. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's painful and that's not what we should use this. There's no reason they couldn't have done this exact same story. Just normal. Yeah. And just done like a six issue Harley Quinn birds of prey, normal thing and not had to like, Oh, you can drop F bombs. There's no nudity in this. The gore is nothing more than like a Deadpool. And I'm, you know, a regular Harley Quinn thing, just put a parental advisory on it and yep. slap it over there. Yep. So, like, there's nothing really creative or interesting to make it black label. No. So now what we've defined black label as, as just, like, this is this the set where superheroes can drop F-words. Yeah. And, like, that's not what black label needs to be. No. And that's not what it was promised to be in the beginning. Yeah. And so... I'm just really frustrated that DC is using the excitement readers have on this platform to just like cash in and advertise. I agree. You know, I agree. So Poor I wanted to get that off my chest. Think of that as a little many key issues. Um, <laughs> Cause it just, it, it frustrated me. And like I said, I don't like using this platform to be overly negative unless it personally appeals to me. Like I feel like it is something worth getting out. 
and this felt like it was worth getting out. So thank you for listening to me rant. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll do it for us. Yep. If you want more Cover B, you can visit us online at our website, www.coverb.com. Coverbpodcast.com. Oh, I messed it up already. Man, what's going on? I'm distracted by how poorly they're utilizing the Black Label series. <laughs> um, Don't patronize me. <laughs> but you can find past episodes. I will die on this hill. You can find our recent real extra about Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, which the movie was amazing. Please do not look behind the Black Label curtain. Yep. Um, you can also follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at Cover Me Podcast. I have gotten much better recently about keeping that thing updated with interesting news and factoids and the new episodes of our show. Yep. Um, we're going to have some awesome episodes of Powered Gaming coming up here pretty soon. Um, and, yeah, I mean... Yep. And I just want to end with, we ended the, obviously we did a real extra for Birds of Prey, but I do want to end, oh my god. Did you guys hear that? That was crazy. I think Batman just went by. (laughs) (laughs) He heard me talking shit. DC (laughs) sent him out. Okay, I gotta wrap this up quick. He's gonna leave me broken in an alleyway somewhere. Let's hope it's not Nightwing, because he'll really F us up. Oh, it was a motorcycle. Do get out and see Birds of Prey. Yes. Um, do get out and see it. I won't harp on it too much more. Listen to our real extra. Uh, but it is worth seeing, and we need to support this movie because it is really good, and we need more like it. Absolutely. So. Well, we hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and we will see you on the next episode of Cover B. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. He's coming back. He's coming back. Oh, God. Please don't hurt us. Well, I think he's he's stopping. stung! <laughs>